How many believe we got something to celebrate this morning? I, I, I love these testimonies that we just heard. There's nothing like the power of a changed life. Uh, God changes us from the inside out. And here these people are just giving outward expression to what has taken place inwardly. And when God's working in your heart, you know, you can't help but express it. How, how many know love unexpressed is not love? No, well, I, people should know. No, when it gets hold of you, it manifests on the outside. You know, you can do something on the outside and have nothing happen on the inside. But how many know if something's happening on the inside, you can't help but express it on the outside. We're in this middle of the series called The Church You See. Just quickly turn to your neighbor and say, what's the church you see? What's the church? See, many people see church as an institution or organization, but they don't see the church that God sees. And I like what Paul says in Ephesians chapter one in the message version, it says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. It's not this small group of insignificant people, you know, on the corner of society. The church you see is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. It's God's body whom He thinks, speaks, and acts. And God's got a a purpose for the church. We are His bride. We are the bride of Christ. And God is wanting to do something significant through the church to change the world. How many believe that this morning? Come on, you're called to change the world. And you are changing the world. And I want you to lift your hands right where you are. Come on, we're gonna commit this time to God. God, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, that would be a people who express what you've deposited within us. We wouldn't withhold our praise. We wouldn't withhold our worship. But we would be a reflection of you to the world around us. Lord, I pray we wouldn't hide our lights, but our light, Lord, would shine it brightly. Lord, to, to a world around us who needs to know your goodness and your grace and, we, and your love. We love you this morning. Come and speak to us. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, amen, amen. How about high five two people before you take your seat? The church you see. How many know church is all about worship? And worship is more than a few songs on a Sunday. Worship is everything that we are. And, uh, yeah, I read the, the, this week that if you tune a hundred pianos to the one tuning fork, those hundred pianos will be tuned to one another. Uh, which is an interesting thought. How many know when we worship God, when we worship God and we focus on God and we tune our lives to God, we're going to be tuned to one another. Uh, that's the power of worship. So, so many people today focus on unity, and, and they never arrive at a place where they're united. But when you focus on Jesus, how many know He doesn't just bring us into relationship with Him, but that then is expressed. Our love for God is expressed by our love for one another. And I believe that's why worship is so vital and so powerful. See, when we submit our life to the tuning fork of God, 
He puts us in tune with one another. Come on, how many are thankful for the relationships that they have in their life right now? How many are thankful? Come on, let's express that thanks. I love the fact that we get to do church together. Well, if you got your Bible this morning, let's go to John chapter 4, John chapter 4. Then once you're in John chapter 4, I want you to go over to Exodus chapter 20. So John chapter 4 is in the New Testament, so we're starting in the New Testament, and then we're going to the Old Testament. Okay, John chapter 4, this message is all on worship. Let's go. John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now. So the time is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh, How are we called to worship God? We are called to worship Him in spirit and in, who will worship Him in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those. So, So what's God doing right now? He's looking for people who don't just sing a song, who don't just attend church on a Sunday, but who, who worship Him in spirit and truth, who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. Somebody say, God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship again in spirit and in truth. Okay, let's, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And it says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of your old life, out of the land of slavery. And you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or earth beneath or waters below. You shall not bow down. Turn to your neighbor and say, you shall not bow down. (laughs) You shall not bow down to them or worship them For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but listen to this, but showing, everybody say, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Well, the title of my message today is Let God Be God. Just let God be God. Let God be God. Be God. Yeah, I, I love the story of the Israelites because he did, just didn't deliver them from Egypt, but he brought them into a promised land. In fact, the whole reason he brought them out of Egypt was to take them into. <laughs> Don't you love God that he just doesn't deliver us from our old life, but he takes us into a new life? Come on, that's what we're celebrating today. And worship is, is something that we're all created to do. And just as there's no vacuum between being delivered from and being taken into, you know, we are all worshipers. And we're all worshiping something. In fact, people who didn't come to church today are worshiping. But they just may be worshiping something that's not worthy of worship. And see, everybody worships. You know, whether they come on a Sunday morning or not, whether they acknowledge God or not. And, and here in Exodus, God declares that He's the one true God. And He commands, He says, He alone should be worshipped. And, and then He defines what worship is. And He does it in verse 4 by, by prohibiting anybody making idols 
or, or idolizing stuff that he's created. You know, he, he says, you don't do that. See, our worship needs to be governed by the power of faith, not by, by images or our imaginations. See, see what you've got to understand about worship is, is the worship of God is to be spiritual, not material. The worship of God is to be spiritual, not material. That, that's why Israel were forbidden from worshiping idols and also from making images of God. Because what is God? God is spirits. And, and how many know no material representation can possibly resemble Him? It, it won't do Him justice. You know, how, how many have come up to you before and said, hey man, you, you look like that person? And they point out the person they think you look like. And you think, man, I don't look anything like that person. Uh, what are they seeing? You know, being bald, I get compared to every bald man on the planet. Man, you look like that guy. No, we've just got the same hairstyle. Just because we don't have much of a variety up here. You know, in fact, we've got a reverse fade going on. I, I don't know how many like my reverse fade. It, it's happening right now. But, but, but you know, the Israelites... They got trapped, and you know, at one point they made a golden calf that, that was created to symbolize Yahweh, to symbolize Jehovah, to symbolize God. You know, think about this. The best image they could come up was, with was, was a cow to represent God. You know, how many here love kids' drawings? You know, you know when they draw the family, they draw, they draw you. Yeah. You know, Imagine if there was no other photos of you and you passed away and your kid's drawing was the only thing that they had to remember what you look like. How many of you think that would do you justice? How many think that would be an accurate representation of what you look like? No, no we wouldn't be able to make out who you are. And, and, and that's why God says, hey, I don't want you to make anything because it won't do me justice. It won't represent me. It can't represent me. And two reasons I believe God forbidden it is, remember, first of all, that the law was for deliverance, not domination. That's what the law was there for. It was for deliverance. It was to deliver us. It was to help us see our need for God, that we didn't measure up. It wasn't there to dominate us. But the reason why God forbidden it, number one, was it, it's impossible to portray physically the glory of God. It's impossible. It's impossible to put an infinite spirit in a physical form. You, you can't do that. Number one, it degrades God, but then it damages man when we do that. Second of all, you know, it keeps our soul focused and attached to what we see. It'd be creating God in the image of his creation. God created the world, and so to make something physical, which we serve and as a representation of God, it's like uh, we're serving the creation rather than the creator. Uh, that's why Jesus said, blessed are those who believe who don't see. See, see we worship him in spirit and in truth. We can never act, uh, adequately represent or even comprehend an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God. He's limitless. Yeah. 
and, and he can't be and won't be confined to our representations of him. See, 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 to create a God in our own image is to make a small God. How big is your God this morning? How, how big is your God? Some of us right now, we're looking at our problems and, and we think our problems are bigger than God. In fact, our language sometimes identifies how big our God is. You know, as the saying goes, we shouldn't tell God how big our problems are. We should tell our problems how big our God is. Come on, we serve a big God, a massive God, big God, small problem. Whatever you're facing this morning, you can be confident in the bigness of God. See, see how you perceive God determines what you receive from Him. Uh, dreaming up your own ideas of God, in fact, is a form of idolatry. It's a form of making an idol. The way that we see God does not actually change or alter the existence of God. God is God all by Himself. Just because you don't see Him right doesn't mean He's not. And we try often intellectualize God and understand Him in our mind, but what is God? God is Spirit. So if you try and understand Him up here, you'll imprison Him within your mind. But God is bigger than your mind. God is amazing. He's powerful. He's awesome. Come on, how many believe in a sovereign God? That's beyond our understanding, beyond our experience. That's the God we serve. You know, so many people see God as distant. They see Him as uninterested or, or boring, a killjoy, or a God all about rules and regulations. And, and then you wonder why you relate to Him and wonder why there's no life. On the inside of you, because that's how you see him. That's how you see the church, and how you see your perception is your reality. Yeah, your perception is your truth. And we need a bigger framework so that we can understand who God really is. Uh, uh, some of us view God through our own personal preferences. It's like a woman said, oh, Well, I don't like to think of God as a judge, I, I prefer to think of him as a loving father. And what we've got here is we've got a pick and choose method. Well, I'll pick the parts of God that I like and I'll, I'll, I'll dismiss the other parts that I can't comprehend. I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, do not try and imagine God or you will have an imaginary God. Do not try and imagine God or you will have an imaginary God. See, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image. Uh, you can know this by where, where God hates the same people that you hate. When God dislikes the same things that you dislike, you, you've created God in your own image. So, so quickly this morning, I, I, I want to define what an idol is. Because if you put it in Google, many think it's that fat Buddha sitting on a mantle. You know, other people think it's Simon Cowell and who he appoints an American idol. You know, that's what you get when you put into Google. But, but, but idols are, are more prevalent than a lot of us choose to acknowledge. And, and could we this morning be worshiping something, worshiping an idol and not, any, and not even know it? So, so just quickly this morning, what, what is an idol? Here's what an idol is. Anything 
that is more important to you than God? It's an idol. Anything that takes the focus off God and puts it on something else. Again, there should be no other gods before me. Anything that absorbs your, your heart and imaginations other than God. Or, or anything you, that, that you seek to give you what only God can give you. Did I say anything? Yeah, yeah. Anything. It doesn't just have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. In fact, idolatry, if we want to understand it, is when we take a good thing. There's many good things around. We take a good thing and we make it the ultimate thing. If you want a definition, it's when we take good things. There's many good things that God's given us to enjoy, but they should never be God in our life. And idolatry is when we take a good thing and we make it the ultimate thing. See, when people think of idols, they think, I'm not into idol worship. Really? Yeah, where are you making stuff the ultimate thing? See, in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3, if we put that up, Ezekiel 14, verse 3, it says, Son of man, these leaders have set idols in their hearts. So where are the idols? In their hearts, these leaders. Uh, what idols? I don't see any idols. Well, the idols aren't on the outside. They are in your heart. And, and, and God is saying the human heart can take good things uh, like a successful career, like, like love, that person you love, like, like material possessions, like sport, like even family. He can take, uh, we can take good things like that and we can make it the ultimate things. Ultimate things. See, idolatry is seeking security and meaning in something or someone else other than God. C.K. Chesterton, he put it this way. Idolatry is when you worship what you should use and you use what you should worship. Idolatry is when you worship what you should use and you use what you should worship. It's sacrificing the meaningful for the menial. It's sacrificing eternity or the eternal things for something that's temporary. And sometimes, if we're to be honest in this place, we struggle to be satisfied with God as He is. In fact, when we go outside of God's boundaries, what we're saying is, God, I love you but you're not enough. I, I need you and. But God's saying in Exodus, there's no and. I'm, I'm the one and only. Man, it's real quiet this morning. But, but if we're to worship, which this series is all about, he needs to take preeminence in our life. He needs to be number one. Number one. You talk to people over the years, they go, well, I believe in God, I believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. And you ask them why, well, they, they say, well, I can't imagine a God who would send anyone to hell. And in their mind, what they've done is that they've created a God full of grace and mercy, but they've removed the whole justice thing that the Bible talks about. And so, so I like the God who's grace and merciful, but 
I don't, I don't like the justice thing. See, somehow it's more comfortable to worship a God who's like a cuddly grandfather who you can sit on his lap and, and who will just overlook all your wrongdoings. What you, you got? God is who he is. And, and how you imagine him doesn't change him. Let God be God. And I, and I must worship him for who he is, not just what I want him to be. See, we must worship him what truthfully. Even when it goes outside of our understanding, we need to worship him truthfully. truthfully. See, there can be no substitutes. Today we have a whole lot of substitutes for sugar. You know, what do we have? Sweetener. For butter, we have margarine. How many know margarine's nowhere near as good as butter? Do I get an amen on that? You know, we have tofu for meat. It's not even a substitute. We have pleather for leather. Yeah, it's a substitute. And many of these things, substitutes aren't a big deal. But but when it comes to God, they're a huge deal. Uh, We can't settle for an imitation. And why settle for an imitation when you can have the real thing? See, when you embrace an imitation, in the end, you're going to harm your life. Uh, See, uh, well, where in the end do we get an understanding of who God is? We get an understanding of who God is through His Word. See, uh, we need to get biblical truth on who God is. See, God is a righteous judge, but He's also a loving Father. And, and here's the thing. We can know God. How can we know God? Well, God revealed Himself through Jesus. You want to have the right perspective of God? Look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. See, his death, his life, his death, his resurrection told us volumes about God. Martin Luther, he said, anyone that imagines, anyone's imagination of God apart from Christ is idolatry. See, if it doesn't fit within the picture of who Christ is, It's not accurate perspective. See, we worship, we love, and we serve Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us. And and it's there we get the right idea about God. Uh, A question I want to ask, and I'm going to finish up in a moment, is right now, who's the competition to God in your life? Uh, Who's the competition to God in your life? Who and what are his competitors? See, see, there's competitors out there, and what they're after, they're after your attention and your affection. They're the two things that idols do. They, they compete for your attention and your affection. See, we can make a God out of whatever, whatever we find the most joy in. Now, that can be an idol. We can make a, a God out of what we're fearful about and what we're anxious over. We can make a, a God out of our dreams, our relationships, 
We can make a, a, dream, a, a God out of a sports team, a batch, a boat, fame, or even ministry. Ministry can be a God. Anything that competes for your attention and your affection can be an idol. And, and an idol is something that has hold over you. And, and God wants to free you today. Today I'm believing that God's gonna unmask some idols that we have so, so that we'd have a freedom to worship Him. See, what, what right now dominates your heart, your thoughts, your time? What compels you? What controls you? What drives you? What motivates you right now? What gives you a sense of worth? What gives you a sense of identity? If everything was taken away, what's the one thing you couldn't bear to live without? Are you looking to somebody or something to deliver what only God can bring to your life? See, right now, each of us have strong opinions. How, how, how many have some pretty strong opinions or know some people who have got some strong opinions? But, but we don't, we've got to be careful. We don't reform God to, to a place where He just agrees with our strong opinions. Come on, let God be God. Let God be the God of the Bible. Let God be the God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Let, let God be God. Just quickly, three things that idols do. Number one, idols disappoint you. Idols disappoint they, they promise more than they can deliver. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 14, it says, the whole human race is foolish. Isn't that good news? That includes everybody in this building, if you're part of the human race. What is it, Jeremiah? The whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by idols they make for their carefully shaped works are a fraud. These idols have no breath and no power. See, some of us can live by the myth that someday more will be enough. You know, in our minds we're going, well, if I had that, I'd be happy. If I went out with him or her, I'd be content. If I owned that house, had that job, something would be satisfied on the inside of me. You believe in a lie. It's a fraud. It's a myth that, 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 that we say in our mind and we go, well, well, more. If I had more of that, it would be enough. I'd be content. No. You know, it's like if you drink this, it'll be awesome. If you buy that toothpaste, it'll give you sex appeal. We'll put it on the deodorant or, you know. Anytime you put an expectation in something other than God, you're going to be disappointed. Because here's the deal. Only God can fill the vacuum of your heart. Come on, how many believe that? Only God, only God. Some of us need to hear that. Only God. Yeah, if we're going to clap, let's clap big. Only God can fill the vacuum of your heart. Number two. So idols, what do they do? They disappoint you. Idols dominate you. Dominate you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, it says, you know the way you live before you're believers. How many know the way they live before they believed in Jesus? Yeah, I could identify. You know the way you live before you're believers. You let yourself be influenced and led away to worship idols, things that could not speak. 
Now, the key words in that verse are influenced. You let yourself be influenced and led away. Uh, the word we could use for idol in today's word is, in today's uh, time, is addiction. Addiction. That's it. You're, you're addicted to. You can't stop thinking negative thoughts. You're addicted to work. You're a workaholic. You're addicted to sports. You're addicted to sex, drugs, food, whatever. There's an addiction. So a contemporary word, instead of idol, we could say actually addiction. And it dominates you. You want to get rid of it, but the more you try and get rid of it, the more it dominates your life. See, idolatry, it will cost you. Because what idolatry always involves, it always involves sacrifice. How do you know whether something's an idol in your life? You sacrifice for it. You know, you chase success so hard, you neglect family and relationships. And you don't understand, no relationship will ever reach its full potential without God at the center. You can have habits that sacrifice health. Some of us right now, we're, we're, we're concerned about the approval or disapproval of people around us. And we're addicted to being liked. You know, it's social media. That's why people are on it all the time. There's an addiction because it feeds something within them. And, and if, it's a place where God is absent. What's idolatry? It's a place... Where, where something has hold over us, it dominates us. Number three, last one is, is idols deform you. In other words, they change you, they warp you. We, we become what we value the most. Psalm 115 verse eight, it says, and those who make idols are just like them. Those who make idols are just like them as are all who trust in them. So, so we shape an idol, but then the idol shapes us. That's why the story in the New Testament, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says this. This is the only time he says, hey, I want you to sell everything to the poor and come follow me. No other time did Jesus say that to anyone. Why do you say it to this man? Because Jesus knew it was an idol in his life. He didn't just have money. His trust was in his money. Money had him. Nothing wrong with having money, but when it controls you, determines what you do and what you don't do, you're in danger of serving money. And if you serve money, you can't serve God. You know, how many know $100 isn't much at the grocery store these days? It doesn't go that far. But yeah, yeah, $100 seems so big for some people when it comes to giving to God. $1,000 doesn't even go that far. In fact, I, I looked up just yesterday, quickly, the cheapest, uh, cheapest price for tickets to pink. Cheapest tickets are $251. Cheapest tickets for one night with pink. We've got Shark coming up in the Spark Arena. You know, what is it, about $120, $130 for four nights? But it's like our value system is wrong. We're prepared to do stuff over here that sometimes we're not prepared to do over here. And we need to recognize that. See, see, idolatry, 
Yeah, while we might not have carved images in New Zealand, yeah, there are other places in the world. Many of us are sacrificing to the idol of comfort. We're sacrificing to the idol of, you know, it's a consumeristic mindset where it says it's about me and my needs and everything needs to serve me and how I feel. But I want to say that doesn't lead to life. In fact, when you serve idols, you can't worship effectively. When you serve idols, when you let other things become God, your worship is put on hold. Nobody sets out with the intention of making idols. But how many know the more time we devote, the more attention we give it, it develops and it grows in our life. And what happens is what? God takes a back seat. And then we end up serving God grudgingly or we serve Him reluctantly because God's in the back seat, not the front seat. What this morning has become more important to you than God? Who do you worship? We're all worshiping, but who do you worship? And is it worthy of your worship? Come on, let God be God. Somebody say that, let God be God. Come on, let God be God. And let's worship Him with our whole heart with everything that we have. Come on, have our standing to your feet right now. Just quickly in this moment, if you can recognize an area maybe that's in a place that shouldn't be in your life and you're just saying, man, I want to put God in His rightful place. I want to prioritize Him. I want you to lift your hands to God right where you are. Come on, you know, just through this message, you go, oh man, yeah. I've probably got some things out of order, out of whack. Come on, lift your hands high if that's you. Come on, I want you to acknowledge it. Just before God, by lifting your hands, you're saying, hey, I'm going to change this. Because I want to worship God in spirit and truth. I I don't want a God in my image. I don't want an imaginary God. I don't want a small God. I want a big God. Come on, lift your hands. And right where you are, Jesus, I pray that you come and you move upon every heart and you move upon every life. And Lord, we renounce, Lord, the areas and the things that we're given permission to dominate our lives, to distract us. Lord, and we say we don't want them part of our lives anymore. And God, we, we elevate you. Lord, we put our attention on you. Right now, we determine, Lord, our affections are gonna be focused on you and your purpose. And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, where people are bound, Lord, by addictions, Lord, where where things are controlling their lives, I pray you'd set them free right now in Jesus' name. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that these things are gonna have no power and no authority over people's lives. Come on, if you agree with this, I need you to pray. Come on, right now, come on, I really believe addictions have been broken. Come on, some of you have been governed by fear too long. It's had a stronghold in your life and God wants to set you free today. Some of you, you know, there's an addiction. There's, a, there's an element in your head where, where it consumes your thoughts. 
And these thoughts aren't good thoughts. Come on. God wants to, to change your mind. He wants to fill your life with good things. But it comes as you elevate Him, as you worship Him.